0: pray for us right now. God, thanks so much for a chance to be in this place and to uh, sing your praises and to remember the sacrifice of your son Jesus. Thanks that it's made all the difference in our lives, those of us who have uh, put our faith in you and and that it can make all the difference in our lives for those of us who haven't yet. Uh, thanks that uh, uh, it, it's something that we don't have to earn because we never could, uh, that you give it to us freely by your grace and through your love. Uh, as we give these gifts, we want them to Go towards your name becoming famous in our own hearts and in the lives of people in our community and around the world. Uh, So use these gifts for your glory. Use this time as I preach uh, to move us forward in our understanding of you and in our commitment to you. Wherever we are on the journey uh, of of, of following you, just lead us deeper into it uh, so that we can know you better and please you more and bring you the glory you deserve. Get me out of the way. Speak in my place, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are here last week, we started the series that we're in. We're calling it Why We, and it basically is uh, asking the question as to why we do the things we do as Christians. Uh, we're going to talk through six of them. Uh, last week, we started with why we surrender. Today, we're going to talk about why we gather. But if you're like me, you can be doing something for a long time and forget why you're doing it. Or you can, like I did the other day, you can walk into a, a garage uh, get, to get a tool of some kind and forget what tool you were in there for. Ever do, are you doing that more? I do that all the time now. Uh, I'll get a text on my phone, something will distract me and I'll find myself in a place. I know I was heading here for a reason but I don't remember what it is. I have to retrace my steps and, and I, usually I find clues on the path of doing that. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, we, we as Christians can sometimes lose the forest for the trees. We can forget why we're doing what we're doing and it's good for us to pull back and be reminded of the reasons behind uh, the things that we do. We uh, talked about our mission as a church last week as we talked about surrender. Uh, we talked about the fact that we exist to surrender, right? Everybody say this one with me. Here we go, we exist to surrender to God as he makes disciples through us here and around the world. We, we posited this, that, that surrender is the hardest part of that thing. In fact, it's, it's, the, it's the linchpin of the thing. If, if we don't surrender, forget the disciple-making process in ourselves or in other people, because if, if we're not surrendered to God, it's not gonna matter uh, to us if, if we make disciples. Uh, but surrender stuff, we don't want to lose. Who wants to lose? We're Americans. We win, right? USA. You, yeah. um, but we, we've often misinterpreted this surrender thing as, as loss. It's really gain. Uh, to us uh, who are Christians, we understand that surrender is not uh, surrender to a, a cruel dictator God, it's surrender to a beneficent and loving God uh, who blesses us in ways that we could never experience without Him. So uh, surrender, if you haven't heard that message, I don't usually tell you to go online and listen to one, but I'd I'd like you to hear that one if you haven't heard it yet uh, so that we can kind of stay in the flow of the things of uh, finding out why we do the things that we do. Today I want to talk to you about another part of this statement. It's actually this first word here. I'll blow it up for you. It's the we part of our statement. Uh, When we talk about us as a church, we don't talk about uh, ourselves as individuals, although that's definitely a part of this thing. We talk about us as a whole. And today I want to tell you that uh, the reason uh, we gather together is because God wants it that way. The Christ life is not a me thing, it's a we thing. Now some of you are like, well Mark, I've got to make my, my, own, my own mind about Jesus. Absolutely. Everybody in here has to discern and decide what they're going to do with God and his, his gospel, and, and you have to you know understand for yourselves what that is and, and uh, choose. Absolutely. But if you are a Christian, uh, this This faith of yours, as soon as you took it upon yourself, as soon as you decided for Christ, it ceased being a personal thing. I love talking to people who tell me that, you know, hey, tell me about your life with Christ. Tell me about your, you know, how you came to know him. And and they, I don't know, they're shy or whatever, they don't think it's a good story. And they'll tell me, you know what, Mark, it's just a personal thing. And I want to be like, well, I, I often do this. No, it's not. It's not a personal thing at all. You are saved for a purpose. And one of your chief purposes, uh, as we see it here in our, our mission statement, is to surrender to God in, in, in community with other people, so that as we function together as a community of people, he can use us to make disciples here and around the world. See, we are members of, of a body. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that just as one body is, or just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the bother b- body, though many, our one body, so it is with Christ. That, that's a hard sentence to say. Uh, but, but what Paul's basically saying is, look in the mirror. You want to see the church? Look at you. We all have these body pieces that, that function well. If, if you're here this morning and you're going to sneeze, everybody do the courtesy of covering that mouth so you don't blow the back of the person's head out in front of you. Right? Are you with me? Uh, but the, the way that that will happen is is that our body moves in concert with itself. And so it is supposed to be with the body of Christ that we are meant to function and and move together, ebb and flow, grow as a whole, even though we are as as individuals, uh, individuals. It says in verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Uh, There's Jews and Greeks, there's slaves and free, there's uh, old and young, tall and short, fat and skinny, smart and dumb, Shall I go on? Uh, We're all here. Every one of us, a unique story, a a unique creation of God, but every one of us, if we are in Christ, meant for the other. Maybe not to the level of intimacy that we could all aspire to. In fact, let me just kind of kick that out here right now. You're not going to know everybody in the room. Is everybody okay with that? You're probably not going to know everybody in the room. Did anybody do that this morning, just the kind of Christian, you know, when you saw the people next to you? It's like that nonverbal, hey, how you doing? God loves you, so do I, right? <laughs> but you're, you may be sitting, you know, two seats from someone that you, you may not know the name of and may never know the name of. That's okay. Uh, well, maybe it's not okay. Maybe you're supposed to get to know that person because you don't know anybody else in here. And, 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 and here's my point. You don't have to know everybody, but you gotta know somebody. And somebody's gotta know you. You gotta love somebody. And somebody's gotta love you you need to hold people accountable you need to encourage people and you need people who will hold you accountable and encourage you it's it's the way it's supposed to work Christianity is a team sport we're not playing golf here we are in this together it's good that we are in this together because we can accomplish so much more together than we could if we were just individuals we started this thing 10 or so years ago called Feed the Bay. Uh, it's taken hold of our community and churches, but it started here in this area uh, with us. And, and when we got the idea, uh, is everybody glad that we just kind of sit down as a pastoral staff and say, you know what? Uh, there's, a, there's a huge hunger need in our community. There's food banks that need replenishing. Tell you what, the 10 or so of us that are in this room, we're gonna really commit to, you know, making sure that uh, people get the canned goods that they need. And uh, we'll just keep this hush us, just us. Uh, but we're, we're gonna make a difference. Would we have made the difference? No, we brought it to you guys and on that, who's here for the first Feed the Bay? Anybody here for the first Feed the Bay? Uh, We went next door and we wiped out Sweet Bay. They were not ready for us, why? Because they'd never heard of a church that actually did what they said they were gonna do. And we went over there and we we bought them out of their canned goods and that first year we had between 15 and 20,000 pounds of food. Well next year, some other churches joined us and the next year some more churches joined us. To now there's 35 churches on a regular basis helping us out with Feed the Bay. In 10 years. In 10 years' time, we went from that first year of getting between 15 and 20,000 pounds of food to having almost a million and a half pounds of food donated through the collective efforts of churches and Christians around here. Isn't that great? And, and, and that's, look, what's our big motto at Feed the Bay? Together we can. What? Do more. We can do more if we band ourselves together. Obviously, there's strength in numbers. That's why when we got uh, around to retiring our debt, I didn't just ask a couple people, I asked all y'all, which is Texan for us, (laughs) to be involved. And listen, if just a few people had decided to take it upon themselves to sacrifice so that the debts of our church could be uh, relinquished or finished, uh, we'd still be in debt. We'd still be paying on that note for the next 20-something years, uh, and we'd just be throwing money away to interest. But guess what? Six, seven, sometimes... Uh, some counts, 800 people, either as one-time givers or as consistent givers, sacrificially gave over a two-and-a-half-plus-year uh, process. And in under three years, we retired $3.5 million of debt, and we stand free and clear. Yeah, God? Right? And listen, I bring this up not to, you know, say, way to go, us, but to, to illustrate, hopefully, the point that we are meant to do life together, handle big tasks and challenges but not just big tasks and challenges, to be in each other's lives so that we can be everything God desires us to be. Church isn't a location that you frequent. It's not just a service that you watch. And forget, I'm gonna talk to my online watchers. Hi, everybody out there. Uh, I know there's lots of people who uh, have taken advantage of the fact that we stream our services. I pray you still will. I think it's a great thing for if you're sick or if you're uh, you know, out, uh, visiting somewhere else or like a lot of my mom's watching right now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. Um, If you live at other places, awesome. But here's the deal: Uh, I don't want the convenience of the internet to rob us of the fellowship of the body of Christ. Uh, Just because you can go to church in your pajamas uh, doesn't mean that it's necessarily something you should do. I encourage you to come and and to be a part of what's happening here. And and then, so everybody's yeah, you tell the online people. Let me talk to everybody in here real quick. It's not enough to just come here on a Sunday once, twice, even all four Sundays a month and sit in a room anonymously and not go beyond the black chairs listening to the dude on the stage. Now, now, this is great. I'm not, please keep coming, okay? (laughs) I'm not telling everybody to leave. But I am saying it's an incomplete diet. It doesn't take you to the depths what I believe God wants every human to experience, a relationship or many relationships that are rooted in him, with him as your your focus. He, He wants us all to have that. And proximity does not equal fellowship. Just being in a room with a bunch of people doesn't mean that you've experienced what the Bible describes as koinonia, true fellowship. We need to take this seriously this year and every year. And if, listen, I, I know, I've been at church for a long time. Even this whole fellowship thing can kind of rise and fall, ebb and flow. You're, you're in and then you're kind of out for a while because you just need a break from life group and this and that. Okay, everybody, it's time to re-engage or engage for the first time in relations with the other. we got life groups, men's ministry, women's ministry. we got servant groups where you can go uh, garden with people. There's community out there. There's community over next door with our children's ministry. You can park cars. You can greet people on the way in, be a part of the worship team, uh, twist knobs up there in the booth or whatever. I don't, I don't care where you get it, okay? I don't care where it happens, but you need people, other Christians, in your life. It's... It's how God made this to work. It's a we thing. I uh, remember my first, one of my first trips to Africa, uh, I met a man named Moses, and he became a guy as we frequented uh, that part of uh, Africa, Jinja, Uganda, uh, that we would go and do ministry with. And uh, I remember one day, uh, he was uh, uh, walking with me back from a school that we had just ministered in with some of the youth group that uh, we had brought over there, and he just walked up without saying anything. He grabbed my hand just walked right up to me and grabbed my hand. Not gloves, mittens, right? But he grabbed my hand. And and he just smiled and walked with me. And it was a long walk. Like, we parked the bus way out there. And, you know, I'm a good missionary, so I'm not going to say anything, but I'm like. <laughs> and uh, we got to the, the van or the little bus thing that we were in, and we sat down, and he just kept smiling and... And uh, he let go of my hand, and I I said, all right, Moses, I know we're getting to be friends and stuff, but what what just happened? And he looked at me and says, is it not a custom in in your country, you know, for Christian men uh, who love each other and love the Lord to hold their hands? And I said, no, that means something really different in my country. (laughs) And after he got over the horror of that one, I don't know. Uh, He taught me a valuable lesson uh, that even though I lived on the other side of the world and I would only see him for a week or two at a time, he was my brother. And just like we tell our little kids, when we used to go places in the mall, uh, our kids would get out of the car and we, 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 the first thing we would say, Eleanor, was, hands, hands. I got to have them. And we got three kids, so it wasn't just, you know, they got a whole, I mean, we'd walk in like family Von Trapp, you know, the, Everybody lined up and hands-holding so that, you know, uh, we wouldn't lose each other. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you got to walk out of here holding somebody's hands. Everybody okay with that, Oscar? You're good with that. We don't have to hold each other's hands, guys. I'm not saying you got to go to men's ministry and, you know. But I am saying that we are meant to be together. As Sister Sledge, the great theologians of the 70s, said, we are family, Right? <laughs> Uh, just a couple other things. Why is it so crucial that we gather together? Let me just kind of give you some theology on that. We're, we're designed to do so is the first reason. If you read the Bible and start in Genesis, you're going to read about creation. And uh, At the apex of creation, at the end, uh, God makes man. Uh, and Adam is, is involved in and in, in, in is created, he's the only thing created in God's image. He's involved in, in supervising as, viceroy, as the viceroy, as the regent over God's creation. He names all the animals. And the only time that, uh, that God says that creation isn't good, does anybody remember this? The only time he says of anything that he's created that something isn't good is he looks at Adam and he says, it is not good for this guy to be what? Well, this isn't good. So I'm going to do a wedding later this afternoon. I'll probably mention something like this in my talk there. Uh, but, but God made for man woman. And it's apt and appropriate that we talk about marriage because that's the first one, Adam and Eve. But don't lose in that uh, the idea that God created community. He created relationship amongst human beings when he made Eve. He says, it's not good. In fact, he says, if you're going to be created in my image, you, you need to be created like I am. And what is God? God is three in one. He is three existing as one eternally, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's a party wherever he goes. He is eternally in relationship with himself. And so he says, if I'm going to create them in my image, there's got to be more of them. So he creates Adam and he creates Eve. And then what's, what's, the, what's the one uh, thing that he tells them to do? He tells them not to eat of the tree. I know you're going to say that one. But he says, take care, of my, take care of my creation. And then he says, here's my one commandment to you. Go forth, be fruitful, and what? Make more of you. And certainly uh, his desire was that there would be us. And that we, uh, in the original intent, would be worshipers of him. We'd bring glory to him because that's why he created us. But that we would experience relationship amongst each other as more of us showed up. It's, it's, it's the human design for us to live in community with each other. Well, sin, sin came in, and sin made a mess of relationships. Is everybody familiar with that? Like as soon as sin enters in, what do the man and woman do? Blame each other, right? Right? They become uh, rivals as to whose fault it was. Uh, they have kids, and the first kids that we hear of in the Scriptures are guys named Cain and Abel, and uh, one of them, Cain, kills the other, Abel. That wasn't, that wasn't what God designed. That's what sin does to relationships. It, it makes them go bad. Uh, so uh, aren't we all grateful then that God in his love and in his mercy for us says, you know what, I'm going to come in and I'm going to rescue my creation from their sin and ultimately the way that he accomplishes that is through his son Jesus Christ so that in Christ we can be forgiven of our sin and freed from the power of our sin so that we can uh, walk in relationship with God through faith in Jesus and so that we can walk in relationship with other each other as we were originally intended to be designed. Uh, That's what I call, not just that we're designed to do so, and not just designed to live in community, we're refined to do so. When the Bible speaks of of Christ's presence in our life, it's like a refining fire. And he kind of burns off all the stuff that's worldly and sinful, and he he leaves behind his righteousness and his intent, his will, his purpose for our lives. And his will and purpose for us is to live in community. We saw that evidenced in in the first church, everybody uh, has probably read these verses. Maybe you haven't. Uh, let me tell you about the first church. It says in Acts chapter two that uh, they—there it is—they. It's plural. They devoted. Everybody knows what that word means. We talked about it last week. They surrendered. Uh, they devoted themselves or surrendered themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the what? To the fellowship. To each other. Uh, they were busy breaking the bread. Uh, that's probably an allusion to the, to the Lord's Supper and to communion, to remembering Christ and his sacrifice and to prayers to God for themselves and for each other. What was the result of them being dedicated and surrendered to each other in fellowship and to these other things? Well, uh, some great things happened. In verse 43, it tells us, awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. It says that uh, all who believed were together. There it is again, that fellowship and, and a we thing idea. Uh, they had all things in common. It says uh, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as anyone would have need. It says day by day, they attended temple. Again, how? Together. And, and they broke bread in their homes. This isn't, re- isn't referring to the Lord's Supper. It's like they had meals. They shared tacos, all right? And they, they just did life. Uh, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, and here's the, here's the payoff. Uh, they were praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. You know, I, I think the early church grew as a result of the gospel. The gospel is the truth, and people hear it, and the Holy Spirit uh, opens their minds to it and their hearts to it, and they respond. Absolutely, and I I think people were seeing these these apostles do these uh, awe-inspiring works and miracles from time to time, and that was compelling, but you know what I think the greatest magnet was for the early church? The early church. The relationships that they had, the differences that were present in their uh, congregation, and their community, that were not present in the rest of the world. and People saw these people who would sacrifice willingly for each other and have each other in their homes and, and that would speak authentically to each other and, and in, encourage and, and, and rebuke as necessary. I mean, th- these people saw this and they're like, "Ah, oh, that's what's missing. How do I get that? And that's when they heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to kind of skip to the end because you know, I don't know how long I'm going to go. I do know how long I'm going to go. I'll stop. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> but if I don't get to the end part, here's the end part. Here's my hope for everybody in here. I like the old cell phone plan. Who remembers the faves? My faves. You had your five, right? It doesn't have to be a literal five, but you got to find your somebodies. You don't have to know everybody, but you got to know somebody. you got to be in life with somebody in here who knows you and you know them, who loves you and you love them, who is willing to encourage and rebuke you as you are willing to encourage and rebuke them. You need somebody in your life as a Christian. That's how we were designed. That's what we were commanded to do, as so I'm going to show you here other parts of Scripture. And it is the lifeblood of the Christ life here on earth, other Christians. So if you haven't gotten that, or if you've kind of fallen out of that because everything else happened and kids and blah, 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 re-engage or engage for the first time in relationships we got life groups men's ministry women's ministry service opportunities figure it out find it grab on all right now we preach a little more at you I'll answer one more question for you before we go home Uh, what does God desire from us and from our our, our, for us and from us in our gatherings Uh, hopefully I've made my case that God wants us to be together it's a we thing I'm so grateful that the scriptures tell us what should be characteristic of the we thing, which, what should be included in our community as Christians. In Romans chapter 12, this is your reading assignment for the week. If you have a Bible uh, or a cell phone that can get one on an app, read Romans 12, one of the best chapters in the whole scripture. Love them all, but this one's, this likes, it's varsity, it's a good chapter, Okay? And, and you should read it because at the beginning it starts about uh, let's no longer be conformed to the world but let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Anybody heard that one before? That's how Romans 12 starts. And it, it talks about us being able to approve of God's will. That's, that's an individual verse. It's saying you as individuals, make sure that you're on, uh, on the path, that you're, that you're figuring out what God's want, you're not being distracted by the world, move forward in your own personal relationship with him. But then it quickly, just like almost everywhere else in scripture, it goes uh, from individual to corporate. It says, and Do this so that as you are together as a church, as Paul addresses the church at Rome, he says this is how it's supposed to look. When people individually do that, it's supposed to manifest itself this way in community. And you get the verse uh, uh, 9 here of Romans chapter 12. And, and what starts is, is basically this like, little staccato, like one-offs of what's supposed to be happening. I mean, it's, it's the least flowery of Paul's communication in all of the scriptures that he wrote, I think. I mean, he just says phrase after phrase after phrase after phrase. Do this, do this, don't do this, do this, do this. I don't know if he was running out of paper or uh, you know, if he was coming up against a, you know, a lunch that he had to go to or something, but he just, he just fired off a bunch of stuff and we're not gonna begin to cover all of it. We're just gonna cover three things in one verse, all right? Uh, but all of these things that he mentions are benchmarks uh, and, and, and hopes that God has for us in our community. What, what does God desire for us? And from, our, and from us in our gatherings, the first thing is authenticity. Authenticity. Being real. Now you'd think that the body of Christ would be like you know, leading the pack in being real. Uh, but in my experience, it just has not been the case. Like, uh, here's the deal. We're, we're all saved by grace. Heard that before, that's the gospel. And the reason that we're saved by grace is that we're all hot messes. Everybody who's a hot mess in the room, please raise your hand. Okay, the ones whose hands aren't up yet, just so you know, if you're confused, you're a hot mess, okay? <laughs> I love you, and I'm glad you're here, but, every, but the Bible's real clear about it. All sin and fallen short in the glory of God, everyone's a hot mess. And so, if we are saved by grace, and if we are all hot messes, where do we get this idea that we need to act like we're not? And, and listen, I'm not saying that we revel in our hot messness, okay? I'm not saying that we're like, I'm a hot mess, check me out, right? <laughs> um. I think we should be temperate. I think we should be contrite for the fact that we sin. I think we should confess and repent and try to get better. I'm not saying that we revel in our hot messness, but I'm not saying that we ignore the fact that we're a hot mess and think that we're something we're not. The church should be the realest place on earth. Where Wherever you're at is where you're at, and you come in and you let people know, this is where I'm at. At this church, it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And let's move past where we are, but let's not fake like we're not there. Can't help you if I don't know where you're at. You can't help you. God can't help you if you won't admit where you're at. Be real if you're going to be in Christ. You know uh, We've been training church to, to button up and, and, and smile up, and when, when people ask you at the door, how you doing? God bless you, How you doing? Welcome to church today. How you doing? I mean, you could have just had a knockdown, dragout with your wife in the car. You still don't know where your teenager is because he didn't come home last night. You don't know. You don't know if you're, this hasn't happened in my life, just so you know. But, anyway, <laughs> but you don't know if your job's going to be there at the end of the week because they're downsizing. Uh, your parents are sick, and 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 you can't figure out what's going on with that, right? I mean, you could be having the worst day of your life, and that greeter says, "How you doing?" You're like, "I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed." God is good and on the throne, and everything's fine. <laughs> and then you're sitting here for the hour, and as soon as you hit your car, all that stress and angst comes back, and no one's wiser to the situation you find yourself in. It's not how it's supposed to work. That's why it's so important to have people. Not so that you just constantly bleed. We shouldn't live in the gutter and do, but we should have a place, a safe place, where we can talk to people, be prayed for, be encouraged. And the church should be leading the pack in that department. It says here in Romans chapter 12 verse nine, uh, Paul saying to the Romans, here's, here's how I want uh, your relationships to function. He says, first of all, let love. Love, uh, that's a whole other sermon, lots of other sermons, but love is kinda pretty big in relationships. Can we all agree with that? And love here is that agape love that it talks about in the scriptures. It's a, it's a, a not an earthly kind of love, it's an unconditional love. It's this love anyway love. Okay, so let that kind of be the, the first thing we think of. But let, this love that you have, let it be genuine. You know what that Greek word is? I'll tell you. It's on a Hippocrates. And on a Hippocrates, the root of it is Hippocrates, which is hypocrite. And back in the, in the Greek culture, actors were called hypocrites. They were the guys, and, and, and all actors were men back then. It was a patriarchal society. Sorry, ladies. Uh, But all the men would come in, and they didn't have, like, elaborate costumes or sets, but they did have, they would make masks for the girl parts and for all the other male leads, and they would just flip masks. They'd have two or three guys doing a two- or three-man show for six or eight characters, and they would just keep swapping out masks. And whatever mask they were wearing, they became that character. And they were called the hypocrites, hypocrites, the mask wearers, right? And Paul says to the Romans, let's not have any mask wearers in here. Let's not have any actors in the body of Christ be real be honest uh, be known the second thing he says is be accountable we need to be authentic but we need to be accountable it'll show up here in just a second it'll be right here on this screen accountability will show up yes <clears throat> we need to be accountable look what it says in the second part of that verse it says let love be genuine and abor, abhor, anybody use that word later, aberrance, lately? Aberrance, abhor, we don't use it, right? It's not in a common English word, but the reason the English Standard Version uses abhor here is because they needed something that was a couple levels higher than hate. That's the power of this Greek word. It's not just like, you know, be disappointed in, be mildly, you know, irritated by. It even goes past hate. It's like you gotta just like hate, hate, hate. Hate cute. Hate cubed you got to abhor what's evil. Now, when we read this, probably in your first readings of Romans chapter 12, you took this personally. This is a commendation from Paul to you personally in your own personal life. Make sure that you hate what's evil. And I'm not preaching that you shouldn't do that. Please, do be careful to find what's evil in your own life and snuff it out, okay? But remember that he's using plural pronouns here. When he's using these verbs, abhor what is evil, he's saying, All y'all, abhor what is evil. And so, what he wants us to do is, he wants us in our lives with each other, in context with the community that we're supposed to be in, to be able to, to say to people where evil is starting to pull them away from truth and pro, to pull them away from the will of God, to be able to say to those people in love, hey, danger, Will Robinson, you're heading in the wrong direction. Like they said after 9 11, see something, say something. That's the role of community in the body of Christ. Now, what I didn't just do is give you all the right to go to everybody else and point out their sins so that you can feel better about yours, okay? My mom taught me if you're ever pointing at someone, remember you got three more pointing back at you. These three are all pointing back at you. The Bible puts it this way. If you're gonna take care of the speck in someone else's eye, work on the log in yours, all right? So everybody hear me, I'm not saying get up on your high horse. And start pointing out, that, because Christians love to do that for some reason, point out where everybody else is wrong. I think it makes us feel better about us. That's what I'm telling you. But what I am telling you is that if you are in relationship with someone and you see them moving away from what God would have them do, it is your Christian love duty to bring that up to them in a way that they can hear it, respond, and repent. It's just how it's supposed to work. I mean, as parents, if our kids were running towards the street when they were little, I hope you weren't like this. Oh, they're going to learn. They're going to (laughs) learn. I mean, if they survive this accident, they will probably never run in the streets again. Honey, watch. Is that what you did as parents? No, they ran towards the street, and you ran faster so that that last minute, as they were chasing the ball, you could grab their little chubby arm and swing them back into the front yard. I mean, you'd worry about what happened there later, but you saved them from what was going to happen there, right? But as Christians, sometimes, I don't know, we just sanitize this thing to the point that we don't want to get involved. And, and we wait too long. I sat across the, uh, the table from a friend of mine uh, who had the privilege of, of discipling uh, some years ago, and then we just kind of fell out of touch. We stopped hanging, and, and, uh, and we just weren't around each other. Uh, as he as he kind of fell out of touch here, he fell into the bottle and uh, became uh, dependent on alcohol to the point where you know he's almost non-functioning unless he's had a drink. And I finally got uh, ushered back into his life through some some texts and phone calls and sat across the desk from him. And even though I had failed in this portion of our friendship where I wasn't around, uh, God had brought me to this point. We had. This relationship, and I had a decision of how I was going to handle this. Now, some of you might get in that situation and be like, oh, buddy, hugs, right? And I did some of that, you know, encouraged him with truth and things like that. But then I went eye to eye with this guy and I said, listen, dude, here's the deal. Uh, we can't mess around. You need help. And it's time to stop doing what you're doing and start doing what you're supposed to be doing. Always do what you've always done. Always get what you've always got. This isn't going to change unless you change. And here's the deal I'm committed to you changing. And I'll call you, and I'll, I'll keep asking you, when you're, you know, if you're ready to change. I can't put you in a headlock. Apparently, that's a felony. You can't, uh, you can't kidnap people. Uh, uh, but I want to be a source of God's redemption in your life whenever you're ready, and I will keep prodding you until you're ready, but we, we need to make this change. That, that's Christian love. Didn't sound very loving, maybe, but it was the truth, and it needed to be said. I'm so grateful for the people in my life uh, that tell me the truth. I'm, I'm married to a truth teller. i got a mom who's a truth teller. i got friends uh, who if we finally you know, get around to sitting down and talking on deeper levels, uh, they'll tell me the truth. And I am who I am as a result of God using these people in my life. Um, if, if you kind of want to summarize this, don't tip-toe, tiptoe around other believers. Love them. Love them enough to say the things that need to be said so they can head in the directions that they need to head. The last thing is this, authenticity, accountability, and then let's get to the the warm fuzzy, the encouragement, yeah, it says there in that same verse, let love be genuine, abhor or hate what is evil, and then hold fast, hold fast to what is good, this is a great Greek word, it's kolomenoi, and it basically comes from the same uh, root that we use for like collect and collaborate, it's this come together thing, right? And it's this picture of when it comes to the righteousness that God wants us to live in, don't just kind of tacitly hold on to it. Don't, don't, don't just kind of have it in the palm of your hand. Headlock that sucker, right? And hold fast to what is good in your own life and then encourage other people in their holding fast to what is good. I can't tell you how many times I've needed someone to say, hey, stay the course, brother. I know you don't know what's coming next. The wisdom uh, hasn't been revealed to you as to how it's gonna work out, but you're doing the right thing. Stay the course. It tells us in Hebrews uh, chapter 10 that we should hold unswervingly to what God has uh, for us in his will. It says also in Hebrews 10, um, let us consider how we can stir up one another or to spur one another on towards love and towards good works, not neglecting to meet together, That's got to happen in the context of relationship, in the context of community, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I talked about that on New Year's uh, Day this year, that we don't live for today, we live for the day, and we as Christians live for the the future that awaits us, this life with Christ. We want everything that we do to be a preparation uh, and a confirmation of, of the presence of Christ in us. And so we live for that day, not just today, and we help other people to hold fast to the things that God has called them to. I think for for me in my own life, and probably for a lot of everybody in here, uh, we we can tend to kind of soften our grip on on what the the truth is or what the righteousness that God would have for us is, and we can just kind of be like, you know, "Ah, it's no big deal, grace. We'll just, you know, he'll cover that. He'll forgive me, right? And we just start sliding. Uh, but those initial slides, uh, <laughs> they amount to the great slide uh, where life kind of you know, uh, hits a wall and, and things uh, need to be picked up. I, I was standing in my uh, closet the other day, um, just getting ready to, uh, you know, to, to do my day, um, and I heard this loud crash in the closet. We had this closet system put into our, our closet when we redid our house. And uh, Eleanor's side, sorry, babe, but it was Eleanor's side, uh, that just came crashing down, everything on that side, all the, all the hanging clothes and all the shelving and stuff just hit the floor. And I turned around, and was like, yep, that might as well have happened. And so we hauled all the clothes out of there, and uh, we, we set them up, because I knew uh, I was, was going to spend my Saturday morning putting this thing back together. So we got everything out of there, and then started examining, how, why did this happen? Well, uh, when, the, when the, the system had been put in, uh, the, the guy who put it in, uh, put it in beautifully. Everything was equal and even and everything was in the right place. Uh, but what he neglected to do was, uh, is, well, when he put the screws in, he, he used anchors for the drywall, right? Just these little screw anchors. And he didn't use all the screws that he could have used. He just used, you know, a few to get them in there. And uh, eventually over time, a year and a half's time, uh, the, 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 you know, the weight of our clothes or whatever just took the thing down. So when I put it back up, guess what I used? the studs. I got me a stud finder and I waved it across myself. It went crazy. But anyway uh, I mean it it started smoking. It was just but but you put that thing on the wall and when you get to the edge of one of the studs, everybody if you know what these things are, they just light up and start making a noise and you draw a line there and you you come from the other side and you find the other edge of the and then wherever that is, that's where the wood is. And so if you're going to start hanging poles and shelves and and, and, you know, hanging clothes off of those things. You don't go into the drywall. The drywall's just this gypsum stuff that's, you know, you go into the stud and you, uh, you anchor things that way. Y'all come over. We can do, we can do pull-ups on that thing now. That, that thing's not coming out. I put some extra screws in it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> some angle brackets that didn't come with the uh, hardware. That's not going anywhere. And this is what God hopes for us in our pursuit of him. That we wouldn't just settle for the good enoughs, the sort of righteous stuff, that we would hold fast to him. And that, listen, in the context of community, we would encourage those that we know and that know us and those that we love and that love us to do the same. So now, may you and I find our family within this greater extended family that we call Bay Life and we find our 5 or whatever the number is but we at least find somebody who knows us and that we can know who loves us and that we can love who will hold us accountable and we can hold accountable that will encourage us and someone that we can encourage you know, it's a, a a scary step for some of us we're not relational find the other relational people don't talk to each other but just be around each other no, i'm just kidding anyway uh but but it may be harder for some of us. Schedules, that's what I hear all the time. I just don't have time for a relationship. Listen, uh, we have time to do the things that we want to do. And other things might have to, you know, be sacrificed or be put on hold so you can get the relationships God wants you in your life, but uh, but that's, that's, that's what the call of Christ is for the body of Christ. Put him first, put each other second, put the world somewhere after that. Are you with me? So may God grant you His community, and may we leave here knowing why we gather. Let's pray. Hey, God, thanks so much for Your Word and a chance to open it, and and to hear from You through it, and and uh, to be encouraged by it. I pray that's what happened today. I pray that I'm not up here just slamming, uh, that I'm up here uh, pointing to truth, and then uh, You, by Your grace, are going to lead us to it. So uh, I pray that that happens. And if and if we've either become lax in 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 you know our prioritizing of relationships and knowing and being known, uh, or if, if we've never done that, would you uh, uh, ignite in us this, this desire, this passion, this understanding that we need each other, and would you lead us to the people in our lives uh, that are going to be our, our five, our, our somebodies, uh, so that we can walk in Christian brother and sisterhood together. Uh, lead us to that, God, and by your grace, uh, we'll follow. And we thank you for uh, this day and this opportunity to talk uh, and hear from you. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys as you go.